Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, welcome to Satchel Jackson. I'm always Mr. Matt Weber on the Mr. Matt Weber on the board. Wow. Uh, SP Futures up 61. As it features up 294, Dow features up 358. Off to the races. Off to the races. So, uh, what do you think of that, man? We have Mr. Brennan. Yesterday was a great day. And, uh, today looks like another one. Good. So, keep it going. Keep it going. It's, uh, might as well, eh? Uh, you know, throw some money in. Get those, get those one percenters, get their assets up. Yes. Get my, get my stuff up too. <laughs> That's fine too. Always right with the world. Always right so with I, the world. It must be. Know, eh? I, I was worried there for a minute, Chief, that uh, your headphones weren't working, but I don't know if that's a Chicago thing or just a Soldier Field thing. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it could happen. <laughs> the, uh, well, it's all right. We're going to Arlington Park. We got a new place. We don't care about that Soldier Field anymore. Just saying. <laughs> now, I met your headphones with Matt Nagy not having good headphones two weeks in a row. Um, when one guy's turn off, aren't they supposed to turn the other guys off too many? Isn't that the deal? I thought that was the rule. Uh, if yeah, if there's a, an outage on one sideline, they they turn it off on the other side. But but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to. That uh, is the rule. That's the rule that I know. Of. But uh, what I find really amazing is that now two weeks in a row, it's two weeks in a row that they have the problems that uh, their headsets don't work and they can't communicate. We wonder how well they communicate even when the headsets do work, according to the way they're playing. <laughs> Well, maybe it was the rain. I think those things are designed to withstand a little bit of rain. I would think they are too. But uh, I don't know. Is it the community? we have? I mean, with cold weather. Well, we got. Uh, I think, considering the fact that the other teams a lot better, the Bears actually with a couple less screw ups might actually won, which is even more bizarre. Well, some of those some of those passes were pretty bad. <laughs> well, and a couple were right in people's hands too. Well, one was, yeah. You know, it just uh, so the one that was right right in the DB's hands was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so, you know, you, you you've got to wonder about that. You really can't blame some of those for for Dalton, but like the one that Comet dropped, let go. He should have held on to that one. Well, they don't, they don't get any separation with any of these guys. I mean, that's that's a problem. It was Robinson out, and who else was out? They uh, they really don't. You look down and feel everybody's covered. I mean, it's not like they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never, you rarely see them, you know, with one guy standing all alone in the zone like like other teams have. I mean, uh, like the tight end and so forth. They're mm-hmm. not always co- covered. Our guys are. Yeah, they're all. How many people came off the practice squad to play this week? I mean, they just they well, just don't have the, the depth. The I have about that is whether it's whether it's the Bears' offensive players who are not good enough to get separation, or the other team's defense, which is 
get back to know how to cover people, unlike some of the Bears players do on defense. Well, they, that is a strong part of their team, supposedly, is a defensive secondary. Their line really wasn't yeah. good because they ran right through them. Mm-hmm. So their weakness is the front, the front middle, and their strength is the you know the back. And the Bears, to a certain extent, if they didn't throw the interceptions, their game plan just running on them might have worked. That's right. right. I agree with you. It could have. But they still are. I think they're just missing people. They're they're just missing guys. I mean, they uh, they double covered Mooney the whole day, so they took him out of the game, and nobody stepped up basically. Or you know the other guys aren't good enough. I mean, it's whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, that's so. Uh, but you see that. And the other big news that I haven't talked to you about is, of course, that, uh, you know, the word is, Chief, that you were going to leave Chicago to take over the head coaching job at Notre Dame. And had that happened, you might have been in the conference playoffs, the football playoffs this year. So they, they kind of took into account that Kelly wasn't going to be there to lead the team, so they didn't make the final four for the, for the playoffs. But, you know, you could have turned the tide. I think if you look at the, uh, the records in, the teams, I think they ended up kind of where they're supposed to be. I, I don't think they top four. I think is the right four. My only problem with it is, I mean, I I don't disagree. I think the top four is, is the right four. But Notre Dame's only loss is to one of the top four. <laughs> no one else has yeah. a loss that good. Oh, uh, Georgia yeah. does. Georgia does. Uh, that's actually I, I don't know why I said no one else. Georgia literally does, obviously. Uh, but Alabama doesn't. Uh, and then obviously Cincinnati's undefeated. They deserve to be there. But you could definitely argue Notre Dame over Alabama. Uh, yeah. But Notre Dame, but Alabama has a better win. Yeah, and I think everybody would think Alabama's better. I yeah. would too. So anyway, I think they got the, the four right, but uh, Notre Dame definitely had an argument. Well, if they wamp up on Oklahoma State, I guess you know we'll never know. But which you never know in those bowl games because yeah. you have guys that are that opt out because they don't they don't want to get hurt before the NFL draft and then you have you have some guys that are are disappointed that they're not in the playoffs so they don't show up and then you have some guys that are happy to be there and they play really well well i think mm-hmm. so, how much of that you think is going on in the uh, NFL right now Guys are showing up or not showing up i well, think I, a lot I, of it i think I'm, i think that's going to be part of the problem with the bears i mean i not so much a guy like Fields because he's so anxious to play, but I think, you know, if you've got a guy like Robinson who's going to play for a contract next year, uh, you know, why risk getting hurt with the Bears and looking bad with the Bears right now? He hasn't been involved in the offense a whole lot this year, so why should he go out and risk getting a severe injury right now when he could say he's worth a whole lot because he's had time to heal before the end of the season and try to market that better than he would if he was on the field right now? Uh, I was just going to say, uh, Robinson. Yep. I mean, Brennan's exactly right, and Chief, you're you're exactly right. If your team is in it, those guys will play through anything. I mean, they'll get shot up and they'll play through anything. If your team is out of it and has no chance, every, any little injury, they're going to rest up. There's no doubt about it. They're mm-hmm. gonna they're not gonna because why would you? You're playing for a contract. Uh, I'm not saying you're faking an injury, but I'm saying you know an injury that you probably could come back from after a week or two. You're, you're gonna you're you're not gonna rush back. Why would you? I'm going to say there's probably a few guys in that. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, Hicks maybe. Absolutely, for sure. And and then, but in the Hicks but conver- Matt, conversely, if you're Matthews and playing hurt all year, once once the tide is turned and they, they don't have a chance, you know, why risk getting hurt for the rest of your career when you can take off the rest of this season? Right, you'll be playing for a new uh, head coach and defensive coordinator next year. 
But I just wanted to say, you know, conversely, if you're on the Patriots or if you're on the Packers or the Cardinals or one of the teams competing, those guys are playing through all kinds of injuries. Like those guys, right. are, those guys are taped together and paper clipped together, and they're going out there because they're they're playing for something, and and uh, so it, it, it goes both ways. It's not like these guys are all you know milking injuries. Well, how do you? Uh, I guess a more serious note is how, it, with all that going on, and the fact that you got this, uh, uh, you know, the rookie quarterback that all he talks about. I mean, it's a team of. I mean, I guess the, you can just tell by the way the Bears and and our and our some. I mean, I think most of our. Our bear coverage guys are pretty good, but they got all they talk about is, is you know, it's Justin Fields' development. L- look at these other teams in a 17-game season now. It's all about having 45 people, or 50, or 55, or 60. The idea that your your team is short 15 guys, and all you do is talk about a, a quarterback maybe coming into his own. Who, who's going to be on that defensive team next year? I mean, how many guys are there that are they're aging and losing? I mean... They need they need fifteen draft picks. Just not not even guys that are all pro. Just just to f- fill out the roster for God's sake. It's funny. I mean, uh, and I, yeah, I think that's a big problem in the in the Pace administration that he's traded away so many draft picks. Now you can kind of justify it with a guy like Khalil Mack, but you know they have they have nobody to draft. They've got two picks, I think, in the first three rounds next year. Uh, you can't get better. Like that, especially if you don't have the wherewithal, the monetary wherewithal, and the willingness to spend uh, for that many players. I mean, it's just not possible. So I think they put themselves in a bigger hole because of their draft picks. Well, how many uh, how many number one picks did I count up that they've given up for quarterbacks in the last twenty two years? Like ten. Well, when you're talking about a quarterback as a, as a primary piece for your team. You also have to protect them. I mean, think of how many times the Fields have got the sack this year. It, yeah, it reminds me of Jim Plunkett <laughs> or Archie Manning when they came out of college and they went to teams that had yeah. no protection for them. They just got a crap beat out of them. Well, what, they, they lucked off this year with this uh, 90-year-old left tackle, right? I mean, the guy's managed to not get hurt, and he's actually played halfway decent. What, I mean, what yeah. have, I mean, uh, Peters. Yeah, what, Jason Peters. I mean, he's actually okay. You know he's not all pro anymore, but he's I mean, he's a hell of a player, and he, he managed to, to hang in there after where, where they get him. Are the, he, he was up, he was off fishing somewhere when they called him. He's pretty much retired. He yeah. thought he, he thought he was done. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, so uh, and that's kind of a trade off for uh, Tevin Williams, uh, or what's his name, the, the offensive lineman who had back surgery and just got, I don't even know if he played. I didn't hear his name called at all on Sunday. Well, I can tell you, I didn't watch one second of the game, so I'll have to look it up because he was—he's—he's he's close to being back, and he's their guy, their second-round pick that everyone said was a, a, a first-round pick, top ten talent, but then had the back issues, so some teams passed on him. Of course, the Bears jumped at the opportunity, uh, and sure, sure enough, he had to have back surgery. Yeah. Uh, but he's got all the talent in the world, so if, if he gets healthy, then they might have gotten a steal, you know, halfway through the second round. Yeah, mm-hmm. how do you judge a coach in this mess? <laughs> Does the team still play hard for him? Is one measurement, but you know what? What can he do with what he's got? Um, and and I don't see a whole lot. You know, is the coach the the reason that they're losing, or the, win, the reason that they're not losing worse than they are? And um, and it does come down to player development. But do you put a player like Justin Fields in a position where he can win uh, and get the most out of the offensive line and the receivers? But it doesn't seem like maybe he can do that. Well, he, they've managed to 
uh, with an offensive line that was, you know, there's no number one picks on there, they managed to have a, a real solid interior group now. The kid from Notre Dame and uh, Whitehead and Daniels, I think, are those three are certainly above average, don't you think, Matty? And uh, and I think this uh, halfback they got out of, I don't know where they get him, but I'll, I mean, they, there's not many people that run the ball much better. I mean, it looks to me what the few pieces they do have, they use pretty effectively. Yeah, I think that that uh, I, I think Matt Nagy will not be back, um, and I think they're going to hopefully hire a coach that instead of cramming his or her scheme down everyone's throat, regardless of personnel, that they'll actually tailor an offense to go with Justin Fields' strengths, which is a, a pass-run combo, to go with an offensive line and, and a running game that could be elite if used properly between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, the, the running back that got in the sixth round this year who, who's really good as well, and, and, and be somewhat more similar to like what the Ravens are. Uh, Isn't that why they got Nagy? Because he came from Kansas City to do just that? No, they don't do that, Kansas City. Kansas City, they, they chuck the ball down the field because they, uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. And, 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 uh, they run these long developing routes with all these speed receivers and the Bears don't have, just don't have but, the But his first couple of years, you know, he was a big runner and they, they did well with him. He's never been a big runner. I mean, he can, he can scramble, but he's not a, he's not a runner. Um, Point being that, you know, Bill Belichick tailors his, his game plan week to week to maximize the strengths of his team and to take advantages of the weaknesses of the opponent that week. Last night, they threw one pass in that Patriots game because of the weather and because they knew they could push the Bills up front. And they won the game on the road. Nagy doesn't, it's like he has no concept of the talent they have or lack thereof and then the opponent that they're going against. It's, it's, this is what we do. This is my scheme. Be you. And, uh, and it just doesn't work. It, it's never worked that way for any coach and any sport. The good coaches always tailor their scheme around the, the players they have, not vice versa. Well, it looked to me like he was running up the middle of the whole game Sunday. Well, they did run the ball better Sunday, but they, you know, Dalton still throws, you know, tw- if, if that was true, Dalton wouldn't have had four interceptions, I can tell you that, if they were truly running the ball. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I just wonder, you, you put these coaches in these situations, and I don't think you can even grade these guys. I mean, I, you know. Well, I, I would never say the, the, all the blame lies on him. I would never say that. I mean, I, I think it starts at the very top, and, and, ha- and always has started at the very top. But, but he, he's, well, I, I don't agree. think he's it the answer either. At the top. And, when you, and you, you know, I think Pace has put him in a bad position with the team that's on the field or the players that are on the field, regardless of injury, because everybody's got, every team is going to have injuries. But they don't just seem to have good quality players, especially when you go two deep, three deep, four deep. Um, there, there's just not the, the talent level there. And I think a lot of that is just bad choices and uh, trading away too many draft picks by pace. If you were to, I did this, uh, God, how many years ago, maybe? Where, uh, no, not that long, like two or three. I took all their, the, the draft, the Bears drafts of the last like 20 years, maybe 15 years, compared it to the Packers and a couple other teams. And the, the the difference is absolutely dramatic. I mean, the Bears or the Packers probably had, I'm going to say, 15 or 20 more total picks. They had all kinds more people that were like still in football somewhere, not even, and way more people still on the Packers. And one year, the Bears went like four years in a row, where the guys would have been like years five through nine. They didn't have one player. They had like one guy still on the team. But it's, it, the, the difference, unless you really look at it. 
I mean, you can talk about it and sort of suspect it. Unless you really look at it, it's 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 way worse than we're talking about. It's way worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, the team that that uh, is, like Maddie says is uh, is interesting is is New England. Now those guys, well, way back in the day before BM before Maddie, Dallas used to have a before you had uh, you know, we had the longer draft. So they had, they drafted more rounds back then, but. The, the Dallas would have a huge tryout every year for anybody who wanted to show up. And they averaged one player made their squad a year out of the tryout. And every, was it every three years, Brendan? They, they ended up with a starter. You know, so the, mm-hmm. Because they never had any, any good draft picks because they were always a good team. But the, New England, I was read this, this guy, I don't know who the hell this guy was. He writes this big article and he's talking about, you know, in, in, uh, in 2008, they, they drafted, uh, or they traded this, Fifth round pick to somebody else for these two sixth round picks, and the two sixth round picks were still on the practice squad two years later. And the fifth round pick that the other guys grabbed was out of football like the first year. It's amazing the difference what they do in the last few rounds. They'll they'll trade two fifth rounds for a fourth round. And all of a sudden, that fourth round is like starting for them. The other two fifth rounds, the other guys got her out of football. It's 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 amazing what they do in the last two or three rounds. You would think that you, I mean uh, that nobody would go that deep and work that hard, but obviously, then they're, they're able all of a sudden to get a couple extra guys and they trade them away and they get a number one pick. When you when you wonder why they would ever have one, and wasn't this tackle they picked mm-hmm. this year like a top five pick, Manny? Guy from uh, was he Alabama or someplace down there? Big huge left tackle they got. He was hurt early in the year for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look. But he but they, they end up getting a guy once in a while that they manage to to trade up and get somebody and. uh I mean, it's it, the Bears. Here's here's a, a wild story. My uncle, who's been dead for God knows how long, told me, you know, the Bears will never pay the the, the end of the bench guy. He said they paid Grange, they paid George Conner. When they paid George Conner out of Notre Dame, the league couldn't believe that Hallis played that much for a lineman. He's never lost a star. Yet they always the last guys they think are bags of balls. He says when the, when the league went from fourteen ga- from twelve games to fourteen. It took them a while to catch up. When it went from 14 to 16, they, they ne- they've never thought depth was a big issue. Never have. And still don't. I mean, how many years ago was that? I think I died, you know, mm-hmm. in 1975 or something. And they still don't. <laughs> and, and you know what? I'll, 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 I'll bet you this. I'll bet you a dollar, both of you. The fact that they did pick this tackle up off the scrap heap for probably not a lot of money and he managed to be serviceable means they won't, they won't ever, for the next five years, there won't be any, any number one picks in their alignment. Because I think they can do it again. That's a pretty fair bet. Because I think that you know they can't tell the difference between being lucky and being good. Um, you know, it's like the old story of um, of the tennis pro who is uh, trying to hustle somebody. He, he, he's good enough to place the ball just where the mark knows he can hit it and thinks he's making great plays. And the mark then begins to think that's how good the mark really is. And when the money goes on the line, the shark comes out and says, yeah, you know, he just puts it an inch or two further away so that the guy can't quite get it, but he thinks he just missed it. And he's just a little bit unfortunate. And that's how, um, you know, I think you're right on your, on your, uh, the point that they're going to think that this proves how astute their talent judgment is. Uh, Brian, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because I know you've been all over the news in the city. I, uh, well, like you, I spend like some weekends, well, I spend Saturday usually out in New Orleans, uh, everybody knows that, um, and you get a whole different crowd of people, and you know, you get some people that come downtown, and I, you know, maybe have an adult beverage with once in a while during the week, and 
do you think there's any anybody is ever going to come together on just knowledge or any the feelings that people have from outside the city what's going on violent wise and violence wise and things and their their reluctance not everybody i mean you know we've got a lot of people down here for christmas stuff and things but do you think the people in the city especially in the in city hall have have any idea of the uh the, the bad mark that they've given i'm not saying they personally um because obviously they don't like violence i don't think i mean if what i understand uh uh what's her name the mayor was a was a pretty law and order lady before she got in there but uh I, do you think anybody understands the depth of the disdain people are, are are looking at the place and what it's doing to people investing? And I mean, it has to be. You know, there's one building down here is in a foreclosure. I got to believe they're just one of many that are coming down the line. Does any? I mean, I, the traffic is is awful. The I don't think people want to get on public transportation. We know personally people either from the show or people that I know that have had been accosted on the L in the middle of the day. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 people in the suburbs—they never want to come here. They never want to work here. They don't. If they do, they're going to come down here in their car. They're going to park in the building and they're going home. I mean, does, do we even have a consensus on the problem? Um, I think there is a recognition that Chicago has an image problem, both in the suburbs for people working, and of course that's been compounded by what's going on in COVID for the last year and a half with so many people being able to and willing to work from home, they don't want to take the time to come into the city. And when you look at the events that are happening in the city, the, the, uh, the looting in the stores, the, the big mobs that are, are breaking in the stores, the, the stories about violence. I mean, even on Saturday night, uh, a bus driver was beaten pretty badly at 100 North Michigan across from where the tree is uh, you know, by, the, by the Hill Washington Library. Uh, he heard something out, he heard a loud noise in his bus, he got out to investigate, and a group of teenagers beat him up and sent him to the hospital. Um, and that caused a lot of startling traffic. We have to be down by Michigan Avenue driving home that night, um, and just got stuck in traffic, and we thought it might have been because of the, the tree lighting, but it turns out that I think it was uh, a bigger delay because of the bus driver getting beat up. And things like that do leave a mark. And I, I think there is a reluctance for people to want to come downtown. And certainly if you're not coming downtown for work five days a week, you don't feel the pull to come down to the city for uh, a, a show and, and dinner or dinner uh, on the weekends. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the arts scene, whether it's uh, you know, coming to the Goodman or the Steppenwolf or something, isn't what it was just several years ago. So I think there's, there's more reluctance to come down and do things in the city. And a lot of places are closed. You know, if you were, if you were, for example, going down to one of the downtown theaters to see a play, if you're going to go down and see the Christmas Carol, uh, for, for example, and you want to go to 312, the restaurant, it's closed. Uh, so many other restaurants are closed. There's fewer activities to do, and I think that is a big impact, too. Crime certainly is one of the, the factors, though, if you're thinking about um, how much does it cost to come downtown, uh, and, and is it worth it, and am I safe? And I, I think it's finally dawning on the, the two aldermen who uh, who have the downtown area, Hopkins and Riley. But I'm not sure that it really has fit into some of the other aldermen. Well, one is they, I mean, I don't want to get into, uh, you know, cruel and unusual punishment like con- some countries. Um, but 
I don't think the, the head of the bus drivers union was on this morning. I heard him, and he said, if somebody's messing around with somebody on the bus, and you say you're going to call police, they say, go ahead. We're not even going to we're not even going to mm-hmm. run off the bus. I mean, someplace somewhere, uh, society has to be able to protect themselves. And I don't. I mean, one of my my buddies, he's been on the show a couple times, but I haven't seen him in a while because of COVID. He lives in Singapore. He said, when I went over here, I couldn't stand the place because you know. Everything is censored. Everything's that, this, that, and the other thing. Because all of a sudden, I realized that in virtually ninety percent of my life, I'm much freer here than I was in Chicago. Kids take a cab, nine, nine years old. I hop on the bus at ten o'clock at night. I never worry about them. I never lock the house. I I can leave my keys in the car. Leave stuff on the front seat. Windows open. I never worry about anybody taking anything. Because in, in like ninety percent of your life, you are freer than you are here. And he goes, I, you know, I don't like the, you know, the whatever whatever they do to people if they catch them. I don't ever see them again or whatever. He goes, but you know what? It's effective. And I don't I don't want that, Brennan, but this idea that roving bangs, gangs of 16 and 17-year-olds are going to control the place, I don't like that either, with people getting hurt in the meantime. I mean, I don't know what the middle ground mm-hmm. is, but I know this isn't right either. Just saying. Yeah, we're definitely going through a bad period, both from the, the city standpoint and from societal standpoint. And, um, you know, there is a lot of distrust among uh, a, a large part of the population and the police department. And while some of it is deserved, most of it is not. Uh, and, and I think that, that that's another road that has to be healed uh, in the city before. Otherwise, the police aren't going to want to continue to get involved. Uh, well, they aren't now. So they aren't now, and I—I'm I, I, not like you. I would—I would never point a finger. I just know, someplace, somewhere, people are not being protected. I mean, everybody wants to go out and get a gun. You can't get in a concealed carry class. You can't get your concealed carry thing because they're all backed up. Probably working from home. God knows why. But yeah, I mean, people have decided if if you can't protect me, I'm going to try and protect myself, which is really, collectively, is really dumb. But I, I surely understand it, don't you? Uh, I, I understand the concept behind it, but I, I don't agree with it because I don't want to see more guns out there. I, think I don't it's either. It's going to lead to much more violence and, and stupid action. I mean, just just the idea of uh, of a common citizen who's virtually untrained, and I'm not talking about taking a class to, uh, to get a Floyd card, but I'm I'm talking about uh, you know really trained uh, and having people walk around with guns, armed guns, concealed carry. Is not the way to go. I think we're we're very close to having a really bad incident uh, in, the, in the country when that when we have too many people walking out with guns. Well, I think what we're close to is we're gonna we're gonna elect somebody who's who's a, a super law and order candidate, and and because uh, people, I, I I just think it's I think it's bad news, and I think when we know how, this the building across the street that's uh you know this guy's paid. Three hundred and twenty million dollars for that place in two thousand and eighteen. What do you think it goes for today, Brennan? One hundred eighty. Which building? The about insurance there. exchange, the one that's been all over the paper, right across the street from us. One seventy five. It's had, actually has two addresses. What is it? It's one seventy five West Jackson, and what is it? it's one sixty eight Van Buren or something? Because it's on two streets. Oh, okay. Um, it, it, it's worth a lot less now. I mean, I've been looking at some of the real estate values of, the, of some of the buildings that have been done up for sale, and I know that, that the downtown buildings have taken a big hit. Um, so at some point, do you think the people in all these places are going to say, what, what, what the bleep are you idiots doing? 
or not doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. Well, you know, it seems like there has been a shift from a couple of years ago when one of the cries was defund the police. I think most people recognize that defunding the police or getting rid of the police department like this proposed in Minneapolis is not the way to go, that that's a totally bad idea. And if nothing else, change your marketing plan. If you, if you want to have more social services involved with the police department on some of the raids like the domestic disturbance, that's one thing. But the idea of saying we're going to defund the police or get rid of the police department is not going to work. I just got a thing. Uh, Funny you should mention that. Anybody's got a We got a dash here, but I got a thing from one of my right-wing listeners <laughs> naming a bunch of people that are in the in the forefront of this defund the police, and they all have personal security guards. <laughs> so so it's okay. They, so long as they're okay, they don't care about you or me or Maddie. That's, that's just cool. Brennan, thank you very much. S&P Futures up 59. Yeah, 59. As they features up 290, as he used to say on the floor, we're putting a whip to it this morning. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Hello, more face fashion jacks. I'm Tom Alley's Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 59.50. Yeah, this is after yesterday's big rally. SP Futures up 289. Dow Futures up 349. We're, we're just, uh, we're just going, going, we, I think part of this is the, uh, the Omicron, uh, Omicron, uh, deal worldwide, even though you necessarily can't listen to our people. It appears that, uh, it's not nearly as, uh, 
vindictive to people, let's put it that way, in terms of uh, some of the other variants. Appears to be more, again, this is just anecdotal stuff I've read. Appears to be maybe more more catchy, but uh, don't seem to be anybody dying or anything from it, which is a good thing. So maybe, who knows, uh, if that's the case, uh, I guess maybe, uh, I, I don't. I think it's a little early to do the all clear, but uh, it appears the market is in fact doing that. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX up 318, that's 2%, FTSE up 85, 1.1%. Kick around up 155, 2.2. I actually read somewhere, and I don't know how somebody says this, is that the, uh, um, everybody's gonna get it, and it gives everybody an immunity towards all the rest of the variants. And without, you know, you're all you're gonna do is feel a slight cold, and then, boy, oh boy, it seems like, you know, boy, you know, if you're, you know, their lips, lips to God's ears, but I, I don't know how you do that this early. Do you, Matty? I mean, it seems a little, a little quick on that. NK up 528, that's 1.9%, Shanghai up 5. Uh, 0.1%, Hang Seng up 632, that's 2.7%. Now they've been down, uh, they can, Alibaba's up 12%, uh, everybody, everybody loves all this stuff. Well, Omicron optimism. Uh, Dow Jones yesterday was up 646, S&P up 53, NASDAQ up 139, uh, and Russell was up 44. So a big day all across the board. Uh, the Russell was the most, 2%. Uh, bonds, 1.43, so we got Fed money pouring in too, which is helping out. Uh, bu- the Bund, minus 0.38, so still negative interest rates over there. I can't, I can't even imagine what their inflation rate is, so whatever that puts them negative on real rates. Japan positive 0.05, we've got oil up 210, over 70 bucks again, 71.59. Uh, Brent up a dollar 84, 74.92. Natural gas up 8 cents, but get this number, 374, this is down 40% in like 3 to 4 weeks. I guess we're having somewhat of a mild start to the new year, or uh, the winter season, although you wouldn't Guess it today in Chicago, but evidently that's the cause. That's what everybody's saying. Uh, our Bob up five cents uh, to two zero nine. We've got gold up five ten seventeen eighty four. Just right stuck in that seventeen eighty five range. Range that number. Silver up fifteen cents twenty two thirty eight. Copper up two cents four thirty six. We're even getting a bounce in our uh, Bitcoin today. Back up over fifty thousand. Up seventeen hundred points to fifty thousand eight five five. Good news all over the place, Matty. If you're bullish. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a great start here on the Area Expressways, Chief. No accidents to report, so that's good news as everyone's behaving themselves this morning uh, with the cold temperatures out there. But uh, uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, stay quiet. Otherwise, we'll let you know if that should change. Weather today, overcast skies with a high of 26. Right now it is partly cloudy and 15 degrees downtown. Very chilly with wind chills in the single digits this morning. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 75. That sounds pretty good. Right now it's clear and 53. In sports, the Bulls beat up on the Nuggets last night, 109 to 97. Suns topped the Spurs, 108 to 104. Blackhawks were off. They'll host the Rangers tonight at the United Center. Coyotes lost to the Stars, 4 to 1. College Hoops, Illinois with a nice road win at Iowa, winning 87-83. And in Monday Night Football, it was New England outlasting Buffalo, 14 to 10. Chief. Manny, where did the, hey, Joel, how are you? Good morning, Chief. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. I have a quick question for Manny. Where did the Wigland, they hit Cam Newton and they dumped him. Where did they get this new guy? Mac Jones? Yeah. It was a first-round pick out of Alabama. Okay. So he just started right away? Yeah, they started him right away, uh, and uh, he's been solid all year. Is he better than the, uh, who's the guy that went from Clemson? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot better uh, coaching and talent around him, so he's having a better year. I don't know if he's better himself, but he's certainly having a better season. 
Well, those guys, they, they got a great D now, too. Was it, it was, it was so windy there. I don't think I've ever seen guys go for two right out of the gate like those guys did. Yeah, they did. The Patriots threw one pass last night. The entire well, game. Then they, they threw one on that two point conversion. And there did they run that? Uh, well, I'm talking about an actual play. That's yeah. not counted as a play, but they had yeah. one pass play last night. And they didn't even try and put the ball on the tee. They had the guys hold it right away. Yep. Well, Joel, how are you? Are you going to the big bowl game? Uh, that's in flux right now. I'm working on some tickets uh, for my daughter, and uh, we'll see how things play out. But, boy, they're one expensive ticket for that for that game. But, uh, I mean, you know, Vegas is making, uh, you know, Georgia seven, seven-and-a-half-point underdog. Um, I don't know why. I mean, who have they beat? You know, they beat Clemson. And I don't even think they're in the top ten. They beat South Carolina, beat Bandy, beat UAB, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri. Bring on those dogs, man. Georgia Tech, bring yeah. on those Bulldogs. I'm fired up. I like the matchup. Uh, this could be Michigan's year. What do well, you think? I, uh, very impressed with, uh, you know, the way they played and, uh, the way this it's just been an incredible season to beat Ohio State's one thing to get our first outright Big Ten championship since 2004. Uh, just a complete team, and you know the other thing too. I mean, if I don't want to put the uh, you know the cart before the horse, but you know, has Alabama seen a player like Aiden Hutchinson, a defensive player, potential number one draft choice, has been invited in New York for the Heisman Trophy? He hasn't, he hasn't seen that kind of pressure. He's got, hasn't gotten hit in the face like that. And, um, I'll just go back to, you know, why Michigan had a chance against Ohio State, a freshman quarterback. So, uh, I'm excited, Chief. And a basketball team looked pretty good on Tuesday, too. Um, uh, Caleb Houston, the top five rated player, you know, came out of the gate slow, but he, he started to hit some three pointers yesterday. So a week ago, I was a little, a little cautious on Michigan basketball. A lot more optimistic today. Well, the, the you know the, the the chalk would say, or the touts would say that the that the personnel up and down at Alabama is always better because what's his name hires you know hides ten people on his own version of a practice squad. Uh, I think they've lost enough people. Where, where do you think? Do you think Cincinnati is so is totally down the chain here in personnel, Manny, or are both you guys? I mean, is this are the personnel relatively even here? I mean, I, I don't. Cincinnati won at Notre Dame. I mean, that's a, that's a big time win. Notre Dame's only loss, uh, so they've proven they can play with anyone. Now, I don't think they're as talented as the other three teams, but if you take them lightly, they can beat you. Well, how good uh, they got the, the one guy? Well, uh, don't they have a, they have a couple of good guys that are linebackers that are way up on the on the depth, depth the pro depth chart too, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati's good. I, I do agree with Joel, though. I like the matchup against Georgia. Uh, Georgia allowed, what, seven points a game uh, the entire season, and then Alabama hung 48 on them. <laughs> it was like, okay, uh, so now you got to play somebody. Um, and uh, Michigan will be able to, you know, is going to try to run the ball. And, and you know, uh, Michigan's defense is good. I think that, that'll be a great matchup. I think Alabama will end up rolling Cincinnati. Uh, so, uh, you know, it could be Michigan, Alabama in the title game, which would be, uh, which would be great. And the whole northern half of the country would be cheering for Michigan, I can tell you that. Wouldn't it be nice if Cincinnati yeah. and Michigan both won? Oh, it'd be great. That'd be really uh, awesome. And, uh, how about, um, 
you know, the coach of uh, Cincinnati. You guys know who that is? Luke Fickle? Luke yeah. Fickle. He was the former Ohio State interim coach, right? Exactly. The last time Michigan won in 2011, he was the interim coach. And uh, so, uh, no, a lot of respect, uh, you know, building up the program. They got snuffed there last year. They're 13 and a half point dogs. I mean, you know, my general rule is, you know, don't give more than seven. That, you know, that, that theory hasn't played out over the years. But, uh, you know, I mean, Bama, they, they look like a whole different team than they did against Auburn. So yeah, they it's sure just did. Depending on which team is going to show up. Uh, yeah, they sure did. I they should have lost that Auburn game. So, Joe, what are you making this? Uh, so we got to go up, uh, you know, two percent a day from now to the end of the year, or what? I mean, just pour the money in, run the money up, and we're good. Uh, you know, it's you know, yesterday we were talking about you know, it's all about interest rates, right? Uh, with uh, Powell removing the transitory, you know, retiring that word. Notice this in the market, also the virus. It's now it's a virus market. You get uh, you know some preliminary information that it's not at, you know maybe more transmissible, but not as virulent. Uh, you know that's that's what the market wants to hear. It's these these it's the news. It's the overnight moves. You got the rollover, chief. Don't forget about the rollover too this week. You got that taking place. So. You do get a lot of, you know, choppy, you know, air pocket action. You'll be seeing that December will be the first, or Thursday will be the first day you're changing the December contract. So, you know, there's some rollover shenanigans going on. Uh, but it's all about the Fed meeting next week and the dot plot and, you know, how much they plan on raising interest rates. So as long as, you know, as long as the virus is, you know, contained and we can get the supply chain, you know, going back again. You're coming into, uh, you know, a favorable part of the, you know, the Santa Claus rally. A lot of different factors. It's very hard to keep this market down. Um, it seems to, you know, get hit on the bad news, and then when the new, good news comes out, it just comes rolling back twice as hard. Well, I think you have a Fed that, no matter what they say, they keep pouring money in. I mean, they, 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 yes. They're totally two-faced about that. To the point of being scary about it, I think, but that's just one man's opinion. Anyway, well, go go blue. Uh, so what? Uh, you, you guys are what? Are you? Are you? Are you you're not New Year's Eve. You're New Year's Day, right? Uh, everyone is New Year's. Yeah, the two uh, the two playoff games. The early game is Cincy, Alabama, and then uh, Michigan is in the Orange Bowl. The later game, yeah, it's, it's New Year's Eve. Or eight. So, got my plans for New Year's Eve. Whether I'll be in Miami or here, yet to be determined. Well. Uh, be nice if you went down there. We went down to see the, the Irish play Nebraska. God, that was the worst trip. Um, all I saw was Johnny Rogers' number going back and forth. He hey, was quick, quick! Oh, Johnny Rogers! Quick, yeah. quick story. Last uh, last ball game that I was to was the two thousand Orange Bowl, and you know who Michigan's quarterback was? Oh God, I, don't, I have no idea. Not Brady. Still no. around. Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, yeah. Well, wow. here's the circumstance: we were we took a trip to Florida. The girls were real young, and uh, this Y2K, and you know everyone was freaking out about. They were like, you know, we made reservations to fly back on January one, two thousand, early in the morning, and um, two, you know, a couple days before, you know, the airline calls, and they're like, well, uh, you know, we're canceling your flight. We don't have enough people on the flight. And uh, my mother-in-law put us on, like, some other flight, and 
It happened to be actually during the time during the Rose Bowl or during the Orange Bowl. And she's, she claims that this is the only time I ever yelled at her because they gave us an option to go back a day later. And so I called, I called on the airlines and I said, no, no, we want to go back, you know, the following day after the Orange Bowl. So Lisa and I drove down to the Orange Bowl. Tom Brady uh, led them to a triple overtime victory over Alabama. Wow. There I you actually go. Uh, ran into um, Joe Namath at the game. And uh, that's the last bowl game I've been to, 2000 Y2K. And I, I can remember when we at, we were up at midnight, you know, when it went from 99 to, you know, 2000. And uh, I hit the, the lights, I flushed the toilet and ran the sink. And I go, there's no problem. And uh <laughs> turned out to be a, you know, turned out to be no problem. Remember that, Chief? Maddie, you were probably yeah, like in grade school back then. Well, right? I went to the Irish play West Virginia. I was, I was, yeah, I was 17. Wow. Oh, so you, okay, okay. You probably remember Y two K. Oh right? yeah, I was in high school, and and uh, we were worried coming back from Christmas break if uh, if the world was going to be different. Of course, nothing changed. Nothing changed. S&P futures up sixty. Nasdaq futures up two sixty four. Be right back, Mister Joel. Not when we got a Kenny. Kenny coming on. That's right. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Can't buy me love. Welcome back, Stash and Jacks. I'm Tom Holly, just about wherever the board, playing some some good music. Uh, we have Mr. Kenny Polkari with us as well. Speed Futures up 59.75. Is that front shoes? Have Zach up 283. Uh, Kenny said, "Let's buy this 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 market on Friday night," and here we are. But <laughs> and here we are, and we're going higher again today. Look at this. Did yeah, you see the market already this morning. It's out of control. I guess. I guess Virginia, there really is a Santa Claus, right? Oh well, yeah. Well, we know we just keep adding, you know, billions and billions of dollars on the value of these companies every single day. And uh, yes, but 
But I, here's what I, I, I got to be honest with you, because listen, I don't think Omicron is it at all. I never thought Omicron was going to be an issue. It's not an issue. It was way overblown. The whole nine yards. We talk about that all we want. We've got vaccines. We've got therapeutics. Got all that stuff. It's mild. It's, we're going to get another variant six months from now. So you know, stop the complaining and let's just move on and get used to it and understand how to protect ourselves and whatever. That's fine. But I don't think I don't really understand why they're taking the market as rapidly and and decisively as they are, considering all the talk around the Fed. People say, well, but it's already priced in. I don't think it is priced in. Rate increases that are going to come sooner than expected and potentially faster and at a bigger pace than expected. Um, But we'll find out more on Friday when we get the CPI report, Monday when we get the PPI report. They're both supposed to be strong. It's going to play right into the Fed's hand about, you know, a faster taper, which they're going to announce double the speed that they announced a month ago. So they've already, you know, they've already changed the narrative on that. And Bullard is trying to change the narrative on interest rate increases. He's actually out there pushing for tapering and interest rate increases to happen simultaneously, which is exactly what Jay Powell said would never happen. So so I, I don't say I'm not, I'm a little bit confused on why they're coming after this market as, as as rapidly as they are, uh, because I think it's going to end in tears in uh, January. Um, I think there's, well, there's, you, you, you lobbed a lot out there, my friend. Uh, first of all, the idea, you and I have been around the block a few times. Uh, right. the, the idea that there was ever a separation between tapering and interest rates, when how much money you put in or take out of the system is exactly how you control interest rate. It's so ignorant, I can't go there. I mean, if if you're pouring a hundred million dollars, hundred thirty billion into the place every month, and you stop doing that, to say that that's not going to affect interest rates is because that's exactly how you do affect interest rates, right? Listen, especially since the Fed has been the buyer of last resort, right? Yeah. They have been the ones that have been standing there buying, buying, buying. When they step away, who's going to just stand there in their place and buy it? Because certainly no one's going to buy it in line. And so, therefore, prices will fall and rates will rise. You and I both know that. That's why it's confusing to me, because I think when that starts to happen, rates are going to rise faster than the expectation, and that's what's going to cause the turmoil in uh, in the broader market. I, I think, uh, Kenny, that when they they go out and they, they they talk with their they talk the talk, whatever this talk happens to be. Yeah. I, I I mean I well we're, we're we're trying to stay, although we actually got a couple calls we'll be chasing today. We're trying to stay behind this, but I mean, no, nobody's plan. I mean, nobody's covered writing program is designed for for indexes to go up a percent and a half a day. I mean, or or, or down. I mean, it's just this is this is crazy. The the up and down of this, of this number. I mean, what did we go? We went what two years without a one percent move, and now we have a one and a half percent move in the morning every day. Right. I mean, I, it, I hear you. But I mean, I hear you. but I mean, if you look at the, the thing, and, and I will not accuse you of this, but the the some of the people on CNBC, Steve Leisman and the gang, that are they're fed, in my opinion, fed lapdogs, they listen to these people, Kenny. If, if you listen to them, they, they're going to tell you that they're going to talk about these, they're raising these interest rates. Kenny, they're, they're, they're pushing 12%, 12% money supply increase per year. So yeah. the, the idea that next April it might only be 11% or 10 and a half. We're going to be. We're going to have. A, we're going to have a thirteen percent inflation rate by next April. Uh, uh, 
hello, I hear you, and you and I have been pounding the table on that. Everyone seems to think you and I are dinosaurs. We don't know what we're talking about. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to challenge that um, because I think you're right. That's my fear. That's been my fear all along, is that we're going to go back to the 1970s, early 80s style inflation uh, and uh, um, inflation rate and interest rates. That's where I think we're going. Well, I, I think that you... And, and, and we're never going to get there, <laughs> even if we were both having this long conversation on must-see national TV, if there is such a thing. Nobody gets the fact right now that the market is partially up, but partially it's it's the dollar, the value of the of the currency it's being valued in, meaning the dollar is down. Right. When you when you put twenty percent more money into the system in a year, and your market's up twenty percent. You got to shake your head and say, "What did we just do? Did, is right. it really a, now?" The pe- when do you suppose the poor people that, that have a million dollars in the bank are going to realize that their their million dollars is now worth eight fifty? And when are they going to get pissed off? Yeah, uh, listen, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be. That's why I think. That's why I don't understand the way the market's reacting now. You know, is it end of year? Is it just you know this this? Uh, I, I, and I got to tell you. The other thing that I'm confused about is I think what you're going to see is selling strength into this. People that are going to decide, you know, to make a move now and, you know, take their gains this year and pay less than, than potentially what's going to happen next year. Because I do think there'll be a move on capital gains. I may not be as big as everyone says, but I do think they're going to be higher capital gains starting next year. Um, but I, but I, I, you know, it's confusing me these last couple of weeks of the year that this is happening. Well, and, and you have, that, that's, that's another uh, issue, uh, Kenny, is a, is we're going to have this tax debate, and you're going to get the righties and the lefties are going to you know fight in bars and wing beers at each other and so forth over the whole mess. The the the, the facts are just the facts, uh, uh, Sergeant Friday. Uh, the the government right now is 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 only is only taxing sixty percent of what they're spending, maybe sixty five. Right. They're they're almost forty percent in the hole. You know, so the idea that if they don't do something on the expense side, which they never seem to want to do, no matter who's in there, uh, if they don't do something on the expense side, the idea that you have people debating all day long on, on, on must-see business TV, really, what if the, what if they move this capital gains from 21 to 24? Oh, that's too much. I can't pay that. We're going to screw right. business. Make make it 22 and a... Guys, <laughs> we're, we're, it's got to double to make a dent, for God's sake. I'm not, I don't right. want that to happen, Kenny, but we're not even, we're not even having a, we're having a conversation about whether, whether the guy's got a blood spatter on his lip when his bone's sticking out of his leg. I mean, right? Right. Yeah. No, agreed. I mean, I, but, the, you know, the... It is ridiculous, but... I mean, you look at what the Fed's doing. The Fed's pushing... Well, what are they doing? I mean, the entire COVID from day one to last month, the money supply is up on an annual rate of 20%. That's, yeah. It's almost double at any time during the last inflationary spiral we had. Not double. We we were doing they were doing twelve percent some of those years, but most right. of them were nine or ten, right? In the seventies right. and sixties, yep. it wasn't like they had a a twenty percent spike, which we're doing now and saying it's no problem. No, no. I hear you, which is why I think they're out of touch. But you know, we're going to find out. Did you? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens after Friday CPI and Monday CPI. What the narrative then coming out of the? Actually, you know what? They're not going to be able to say a narrative because they're going to go into the dark period because the FOMC meeting is next Wednesday the 15th. So they're not going to be able to even comment 
because they'll go into you know they go into that quiet period uh, ahead of the meeting. So it's going to be left up to speculation. You'll hear the non-members of the FOMC probably come out and make some commentary, but you won't hear anyone on the FOMC committee itself come out and make any commentary. Well, what, so it's going to be interesting what the market then assumes or what the talking heads then assume is going to be uh, the Fed the Fed response. Well, when you have uh, when do you, when do you think they're going to actually when if ever are they going to adjust the CPI that they're now concerned about? When are they going to adjust it to where it ought to be? I mean, well, they don't want to adjust it where it, they don't want to adjust it where it ought to be because if they do, it's going to show a much darker picture. Well, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we had the, the world. But how do you? How can you have a, a a a nationwide, pretty much respected survey saying rents are up? What something like what were they fifteen percent last year? And then your yeah. your CPI says they're up two. I mean, you're not even the same yeah, planet. Yeah, it's a complete disconnect. Well, because it's a complete disconnect. Because you and I know, because we live in the world, what they're going up, right? And so, uh, I mean, a friend of mine, a friend of mine just renewed his his lease down here, right? He was paying $2,800 a month for a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment. It went up $700 a month starting uh, in January. What's that? What, what's that? That's not, that's not 2%. Well, no, Lord. Right? Yeah, no, and when the last, the, uh, if, for the people that don't know, every, every securities firm has to have an outside independent audit. Um, yeah. you know, and it's, I don't have any problem with that. We've used these guys forever. The last two years, up 17%. Why? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, what are we, what are we doing? I'm look, I mean, it just, it, everywhere you look, the businesses are just, it, it's just crazed, Kenny. And, yeah. uh, Agreed. Uh, anyway, where you, you, you in Florida? Where are you going for Christmas? Are you coming this way, or are you staying in Florida? No, no, no. We're going to be in Florida. My daughter's coming down. She'll spend three weeks around Christmas. You know, on 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 either side of Christmas and New Year's. Uh, I'll both my kids will go. Well, kids, they're not kids; they're adults now. But they'll both be here. And uh, you know, my parents are here. My brother's here. So yeah, no, I'm here now. Who, who gets to stay on the edge? <laughs> <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I would, is, would I rather stay there than in the house or what? <laughs> well, if you understand the yacht, it's going to be somebody else's yacht. Cause <laughs> hey, you, they, you can rent them. I don't care. Many now come down. Yeah, yeah. Nice big one rented, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as long as it says it. the pull carry on the back, I don't care if it's a if it's a temporary <laughs> sticker. <so. laughs> Take care of yourself, buddy. That's if you're up fifty nine. if you're up two eighty four. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hold on, face, Tyson Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Exactly Weber on the board. SP Futures up 59. Yeah, 59. Here's the Futures up 282. This is a second day of this. I mean, uh, so let's just look at a review of yesterday. The S&P was up 53. So, you know, if we do a uh, 100 points in, uh, well, 110 points in two days, that's that's a that's a big move. I mean, that's a, that's that's rebounding after uh, you know an armed attack kind of move in, uh, instead of uh, just kind of in the uh, just a regular old couple of days. I mean, we were down a little bit. We weren't down that where we needed that much of a bounce. The VIX went from 35. We're now pushing 23, which is still high, but it's a long way down from the, the 35. Uh, so we have individual stocks. The only stock I, I see down is Merck in the, uh, uh, I'm not sure why that's down, but everybody else. But look at some of these numbers. I mean, uh, well, Salesforce has been down. They're up 505, so they're, they're doing the bounce back. But we've got, uh, you know, Honeywell up 277. We've got Cisco. They're only up 37 cents. But we've got Intel, the perpetual. Every time I do an earnings play in there, the thing absolutely craps out. Now, today it's up for something. Um, and, but the thing, the, 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 the one I marvel at here, and boy, I, I just, I'm kicking myself for not having me and my people in this. Why, when all these, all these combinations of all these stores in the retail area in the last 15, 20 years, the one you had to fear the most, I always thought, was not necessarily Amazon, and even though they've tried to do their best in that regard, I thought you had to, you had to, uh, you had to fear more of the Home Depots and the Lowe's. And I'm going to say that the, as the inflation has started to run up, and, and I, I would, boy, I, I did not do anything in here. And by one share of stock, I didn't do anything. I'm kicking myself. But when you look at this, this Home Depot was, was 300 and, and, and the 5th of uh, October, the, the stock was, uh, 329. And now it's like 418. I mean, that's, it's up 25% in like eight weeks. That's, I mean, it's, I don't think these guys, I think they're, they're stunning themselves at how much they can raise prices and people still pay. Because, you know, what are you going to do? If you need, need something for your house, I mean, uh, you know, if, if the toilet breaks, I guess you got, plus no, nobody, you can't really keep track. Where if you, if you go online and you say, I mean, I, I guess people do this. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, if, 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 you know, if it's one of the tenants in the building that I, I'm in, you know, if somebody's inside of the toilet breaks and the thing doesn't flush, you get in the car and you go over to the Home Depot or wherever's closer. 
And the idea of, of going online and finding that coming from Idaho because it's, you know, 20% cheaper, you're not going to do that. Right. I mean, unless you, unless you go find a porta potty for people, which I don't think, I don't think would be in the lease, would it be? Anyway, you know, I, so I mean, I think these guys have way more pricing power than, than virtually anybody. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that or not, Manny, but they, uh, they, they do. I mean, in, uh, and I, I, I can't imagine in some of the small towns what they must be gouging people. But even so, I mean, when's the last time you know of anybody who said, "I'm going to drive an extra 20 miles to the Menards because the toilet thing is a buck cheaper," even if you could find out it was a buck cheaper versus Home Depot? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You typically wouldn't say that. So uh, I mean, I mean, you might do that because you don't. You drive far away to go get gas and save 20 cents or something. No, I mean, I'm, <laughs> when I'm in Orland, I get. See, so, you now I, I could do that. In or, I mean, I actually. Would be the person that could do that. Only if somebody had two toilets, right? I'm not going to say hold hold on for four days. <laughs> that would that that's not a, that would not be something you want to no. say. And uh, you could you could probably tell some guy stay at the bar for for four days and he might do it. But if he's got the wife or the girlfriend. They're probably not going to not going to work out so well. But I mean, out, you you can do that out in uh, on, in Homer Glen, where where the Menards and Home Depot. You could you could spit from one to the other. Well, you can kind of spit from one to the other here too. Uh, yeah, that, well, depending upon where you're at, but there's the Menards right there on Wrightwood, and there's a home. I mean, it's not like the Home Depot's that much closer, right? But but there are there are places where you can have one and not see any one of the other guys. Absolutely. Well, plus you know you park right by the door at the Home Depot on Sunday morning at eight o'clock, and then you go over and park right by the door at the Menards. I mean, yep. There's nobody in either place. You, there's there's 25 employees and there's you, you know. So it's it's pretty easy to man- maneuver around. Um, anyway, so what what uh, the with all these people getting, uh, you know, the, the the big dome stadiums in these places, there still isn't much of a. I guess the the minor bowls are, are filtered around. There still isn't much of a, you know, a push for somebody to grab one of these big bowls, is there? I mean, there's there's not. I mean, uh, those bowls are still pretty powerful. I, mean, I guess what I'm saying is is if uh, if for instance the Bears, you know, I don't think they're going to, but if they did build a big dome stadium in Arlington Park. You're not going to have the sugar one of these playoff games in one of those places. These other guys are locked in, aren't they? Um, I mean, yeah, I think they're pretty locked in as it stands right now, but I think you can always make an offer or put a bid in and to get a bowl game. There's a ton of bowl games, and they're all over the country. Warm weather places, cold weather places. Detroit has a bowl, for God's sake. So, I mean, if you want it too bad enough, you can get one. Yeah, well, it's Montgomery, a- Alabama has a bowl. Frisco, Texas has a bowl. Fort Worth. Um, How long do you? We know Detroit, as I said. I mean, they're all over the place. Where's Kevin when we need him? How long do you think those are all going to last? The bowl games. Well, I the, mean, one, the ones where you, you know, you say to Northern Illinois, you got to, you got to sell fifteen thousand tickets, and they sell five. You know, I mean, those those schools actually lose money on this crap, don't they? Uh, I, I think I think some of them do. I mean, I think the bowl games are completely useless. Uh, they've made them useless by by instituting the playoff, um, which. You know, they, maybe they were always kind of useless, but now they're definitely useless. So you might as well uh, find a better way to extend the playoff as opposed to having these, you know, thirty meaningless bowl games that no one watches. But they're great for betting. Well, you can't. I don't know that. Uh, I, I really don't think you can have these kids play any more games. No, you couldn't. You would just have to instead of having three preseason games when you need zero. Uh, I would have zero or one non-conference game, and then do an eight-game conference season, and then and then uh, have uh, you know four weeks eligible of playoffs or something like that. That's what I would do. 
And so you're, you're not playing any more games. In fact, you could even play less games. Uh, and, and yet build the interest in the sport. But yeah, you can't, they're already playing, you know, a 12 game regular season. And then if you make the conference championship, that's 13. And then if you make the playoff, that's as many as two more. So you're playing 15 games. Well, the difference is your last four games are almost at a pro level. Yeah. You're not, you know, it's not, those are, I gotta believe, you know, one game against Alabama is worth two against Akron in terms of beating your people up. That's true. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, you, you wonder what what's even even all involved with that. Uh, I I just you know I when you come to the, come to the point where when we'll have to do a because uh, Kevin does this every year we're gonna have to go through you know what is the uh, you know what are what are the the dollars and cents of the the bowl in Detroit? It wasn't the one year the state bought Northern Illinois tickets or something. Was uh, there's I don't know there's something weird like that I I do know that uh, Northern Illinois just just won that bowl game again just played it again well no they're, they're, they're or sorry that's their conference championship yeah, so they're going to go somewhere so they're going somewhere uh, but the Motor City Bowl uh, who is in it this year I'll find it it's uh, Western Michigan versus Nevada so I mean who Western Michigan might sell some tickets because it's right in their backyard but who. <laughs> Who besides the parents from Nevada is going to that bowl game? Well, isn't that the deal? I mean, they, the the conference, um, I guess, makes. I don't know if they, if they make. They allegedly make some money, right? But the, doesn't the team that goes doesn't aren't they given so many number of thousands of tickets depending on the place and and, and they sell them? Yeah. And it, but you but they have they have to sell them, right? As far as I know, they have to eat them. Yeah. Or, in other words, here, here's ten thousand tickets at a hundred bucks a throw. Send us a million dollars, right? Yeah, but I don't know if they're hundred bucks a throw at the at the Motor City Bowl. But uh, uh, I wouldn't think so. I would, I, you know, I definitely wouldn't. think. You know, I, what, what do you think they're going to be? You know, it's always interesting when you look at the, you know, like uh, Joel was saying that the prices are real high down in in uh, Miami for this game. Well, they are because I mean, not not a whole lot of people. I mean, certainly, you, you, Jill didn't want to go last week to Indianapolis without a ticket, right? Where you and I might have said, I don't care, let's go, or we don't get The funny thing was, is I ended up getting offered uh, two tickets uh, Friday night, and then uh, she still opted out, so we didn't go. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad we didn't, but but yeah, I did end up getting offered tickets for face value Friday night. Well, you would have had a, what time was the game? Seven o'clock central, oh, eight, so, eight, oh, eight so o'clock Eastern time. You could have got there easy enough. Oh, easy, yeah. We would have left in the morning. We could have been there all day. I, I but uh, you know, at that point, she had already uh, sort of made other plans, thinking we weren't going to go. And I said, "Oh, by the way, I just got offered tickets at face value Friday night." Uh, well, that's what face value or, or not. And uh, she's like, "I don't want to go." I bet uh, the guy ended up eating them. He probably did. Well, you, I mean, because I mean, if you look at the number. For, for, for the two of use to, uh, say you're going to Miami instead, by the time you get the airfare, by the time you get, you know, a couple of nights, uh, rent a car, uh, you know, you, you're already into the thing for, you know, several, several G probably. Right. So the idea of not having tickets, I mean, you're probably going to pay up on the tickets. But if you happen to, you know, you drive down there or something with five people in a car, there any cars you can, you can put five people anymore. The, uh, we went down, we went down to one of them. We had seven people in my old man's 98 that was big as a barge. Uh, 
I, I just said, look, it's my car. I'm, I'm not going in the back seat. But uh, but I, <laughs> I, I didn't take the middle either, so I was either shotgun or driving. But uh, that was a long way. Um, but no, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to pay. You're going to pay up for that stuff. But the games are so long. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, it would be a. What time do you get out of the Orange Bowl? One in the morning. Is it that late? You think? Well, I mean, they're an hour behind us, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it'll be if it comes on, it's it's seven thirty here. It's it's got to be eleven thirty, quarter to twelve by the time it's over here, right? So, uh, yeah, the Orange Bowl starts at uh, six thirty p.m. Central Time, so seven. Oh, so it's not so bad, right? Seven thirty Eastern. So yeah, it'll be done at eleven o'clock Eastern time. So yeah, you'll you'd get home midnight or so, no doubt. The uh, the the Orange Bowl that we went to was uh, Nebraska Notre Dame in nineteen must have been well, it had to be January uh, of nineteen seventy two. Had to be, and uh, we just we just drove home right from the parking lot. It was a uh, but the par- it was the the old Orange Bowl. What drove home as in back to South Bend. Well, I was back to Chicago. Back to Chicago from the parking lot? You yeah. didn't have a, any place to stay, huh? Well, we did the night before. <laughs> so you just drove all night? Yeah. Man, that's, uh, I mean, obviously you weren't drinking or anything in no, the game. No, we didn't, have, we didn't have any of that. I mean, a couple guys probably did, but not anybody was driving. Yeah. I didn't. And, uh, plus it was such a, we, we had, uh, it was the old Orange Bowl. The end, the end zone was like regular, one of the end zones was like bleachers. Like real bleachers, like high school bleachers. Yeah. And those are the, those are the seats we had. We had like the second row, so we're way down low. You couldn't see anything. And all you see was Johnny Johnny Rogers. Was he thirty two, coming toward us and going the other way? He just kept seeing thirty two go through these gaping holes or on punts. He was he was really a special talent. Oh yeah, and uh, the blocking in front of him wasn't so bad either. No, in the Irish, we had we had no business being there. We had we had it was the year Cliff Brown was a quarterback. We were terrible. And uh, well, the year before, they had Joe Theismann, those guys, and they all graduated. And then I don't know how they ended up in that in that bowl game, but they did. Then the next year, they were pretty good. And then my senior year, they won. They beat Alabama for national championship. But uh, no, but I mean the the year the year before that was an unbelievable game. We went down to to see. I was only a freshman. The old man gave me the car to drive to Dallas. I couldn't believe that. But <laughs> but we went down. And we uh, that was cool. The Cotton Bowl. The uh, in fact, we pile in and what was. She was famous for a while. She'd run out there and kiss the ref. Well, we, of course, we had nothing to do, so we get to the game real early and we go find our seats. And there's this lady with this massive hair sitting right in front of us, the fur coat on. We're wondering, what the hell is she doing here? I, didn't, I never put two and two together that she was the, the kissing oh, Dixie, wherever she was. Yeah. And as soon as, as soon as the game starts, she like wings off her, her fur coat and you had this bikini on and she races down the field, runs up and kisses the ref. So of course everybody's everybody's outraged and the, the police are escorting her off. Of course, one of the police hands her her fur coat and escorts her <laughs> off. The, the Texas police were too upset about it. No, but uh, those guys, boy, they 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 bring the coach on the other team out. There's like fifteen, not fifteen, but five or six of these state trooper guys. These huge hats, these big huge guys are escorting Daryl Royal all over the place. I'm going, these Texas people get it. They're, they got it. This stuff's a little different down here, but uh, the Irish. Kicked ass pretty good, and then uh, uh, Joe Theismann beat up on him, and they were not happy. But uh, Joe Theismann was was quite a player. They, they, they had a real good team. How many bowl games have you been to? Uh, I went to those two. Then I went to the national championship in '78. Wow! Well, I went to one in Alabama too, so I've been to four. Four? Yeah, I don't think I went uh, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl. Uh, well, the old, I, but I there's no place there anymore. The old, it was at the old Sugar Bowl in Tulane. Yeah. 
the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Oh, in, in the Fiesta Bowl in uh, Phoenix. Yeah, we, but now now they don't play it at. Uh, well, now I think they play it downtown where the Cardinals play. Yeah, they don't they don't play it. We're in Sun Devil Stadium. So no. when, so every place I went, it was the old Cotton Bowl. Yeah. So none of, none of the bowls were in the same place. So I'd have to do the whole trip again just to just go to the new places to the new stadiums. Yeah. Yeah, I mean those. Are, that's pretty cool though. I've only been to one bowl game. That was the Rose Bowl, and that was. Uh, I'd love to do that. It was here. It just it's it really is a spectacle. And then you know I do I remember the they had the stealth bomber fly over before the uh, or during the national anthem, and it's it's literally stealth. I mean you can't hear it. All of a sudden the sky just gets dark above you, and it's like an alien spaceship <laughs> flying really low and quiet. And that was cool. And then you, when the sun sets over the mountains, I mean, that's that you've seen that shot on TV oh, yeah. a million times, and to see it in person is pretty incredible. I would, uh, if I did that, and I don't know how you'd even pull this off. I'm not, you know, Mr. Parade guy or anything like that. But I've always been by some, by totally fascinated by that parade and how much work people have to put it on those floats in like the five hours before the. I would, I would love to somehow roll roll my ass out there at at like one in the morning, find out where these people are. Or just just watching the activity, I bet would be really something. They have to, they have to what glue all those flowers on flowers on like what within twelve hours of the event, and then some of them have like what two million flowers on the darn things. Some of those, I mean, it's, it's absolutely spectacular. I would be mind boggling to see how many people are working on every float at like four in the morning. Yeah, I, I would I would just love to see that. I bet I bet it's like a city there. And then I'd, I'd like, well, I don't want to stand there for a parade. I want a nice seat for the parade. I'd like to see that too. The horses and the people. I mean, I bet it's really something. Yeah, I couldn't care less about that. But, uh. I would want to do it twice, but yeah. I'd like to do it once. But I think that, <laughs> that's, you know, obviously some people like it. It's on TV every year. Well, you, you know how I am about when things are organized. I mean, uh, how do you even organize? How do you know how many people you need to put a million flowers on a float? And how do you organize people? How do you, how do you even get get it rolling? Well, there's the flowers. There's the float. Go to it. It can't. It can't be just that. <laughs> and Pasadena is not much of a town. Uh, we were, uh, you know, I've been there obviously, and uh, you're. It's just kind of like I would say, you know, you know very middle class type houses with small yards and, and small driveways, and then all of a sudden there's a big stadium that pops out of nowhere next to like a golf course. <laughs> you're like, wow, that's didn't see that coming, and. We we went there early in the morning on Saturday, so probably while the parade was going on, we got there relatively early and, and th- beat the traffic. So there was hardly any traffic from downtown L.A. to, to Pasadena at that hour. So where do you park? Is somebody's lawn? You, we parked uh, on a golf course. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. We didn't park. We got dropped off by an Uber but uh, or a cab. I can't remember which, but... Uh, some, but a lot of people were parked in yards. They were parked on a golf course. There was, uh, there was some parking, like an actual parking lots, but not as much as you would think. And, uh, we just got dropped off, but the tailgating that was going on, you know, the thousands of people from, it was, uh, Stanford versus Iowa were, were all on this sort of empty golf course. And, uh, it was spectacular. And I, it, I mean, it was 65 degrees, which helps. What was the original motivation? To build a place that big, that far from town. I mean, we, I mean, the first role. I mean, the Irish played there in nineteen twenty. They played army or somebody. And one of you know, we used to be long before it was hooked up to the Big Ten. And but what, why would you go that far? Yeah, the first Rose Bowl it says was nineteen oh two. And how the hell would, it, would that many people even get out there? There's no, there's no train, is there? There is definitely no train that I know of that I saw. Okay, how the hell does everybody get there in 1902? 100,000 people. I can't have that many Model Ts around. You wouldn't think so. 
I mean, I'm sure back That's then a lot they of horses. Had, I'm sure back then they had, you know, like uh, electric, you know, rail cars and stuff. But well, they would need rails, street cars. They, well, they, they, LA had street cars back in the they, day. Well, so it's not totally out of the metropolitan area. No, it's you're. St- I mean, you you're uh, you're you don't. It's it's Los Angeles, so you're never in the country or anything. I mean, you're. It's all city. That's true. It just sprawls forever. I mean, it, you. I feel like you could drive for hours and still feel like you're in Los Angeles. But it. But it, you're out there, away from downtown. I mean, it's a legit. Uh, I'd have to see how many miles. Um, but in traffic, I mean, it's an hour. Yeah. The. Uh, so what is uh. When the market does this two days in a row, at your place of employment during the day, is, is it even a subject? Uh, no. It, by the way, it's 11 miles from L.A. to Pasadena. So downtown L.A., you know, call it, I don't know, 12 or 13 miles. So it's not even as far as downtown to Orland. Right. But uh, but with traffic in L.A., it can be it can be anywhere from 20 minutes to a, an hour and 20 minutes, I'm sure. Um, well, it, uh, just, just so people, uh, 11 miles would be the, the equivalent of... Of 80th and Pulaski, yeah, it's 11 miles. So that's not very far. It's not very far in distance, um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know that's that's coming from downtown Los Angeles. If you're coming from Santa Monica or you know Venice or anywhere near like the actual like beach or anything, then tack on another 20 miles. Okay. Um, but but yeah, from downtown, it's it's about 11 miles. It says. Well, it's a whole week for those the players, don't they? Don't, don't traditionally, one restaurant has dinner for everybody on a Tuesday and somebody the Wednesday. Oh yeah, you fly out there. Yeah, they practice out there at like one of the high schools, I think. And and yeah, they have a, a bunch of traditions that they do throughout the week for Big Ten and Pac Ten, or now Pac Twelve. I know my uh, my cousin played halfback for uh, University of Colorado, and he's God, he's got to be pushing eighty. And uh, and he, I think, he, um, and he said. Uh, it was kind of weird. They had to go, you know, the curfews and all the other stuff, and all the, all the hangers on, you know, the, the, uh, the, the original, uh, what do they call it? The, the troop that follows the, the boxer, his entourage, the original entourage. Was those guys, they ate every shrimp and drank every martini in town. When they, 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 <laughs> they, played, they played in the Orange Bowl, they played uh, Missouri or somebody. And, uh, except for the players, I mean, he had a couple of nice dinners. He goes, but basically it's, it's practice in your room at nine and, and go play some tough team. <laughs> you know, it was, it was okay, but it wasn't for the national championship or anything. And uh, he said, you know, it was a nice experience, but he would rather have been one of the entourage people than one of the players. Well, the first Rose Bowl was January 1st, 1902. There was 8,000 people in attendance. And, and the place already held, held is, was as big then as it is now. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, Michigan versus Stanford, and Michigan blew out Stanford 49 nothing. Then they didn't play for 14 years, and then it picked back up January 1st, 1916, and it's been played you know every year since 1916. Uh, and it didn't go back to Big Ten versus Pac-10 until it looks like... So yeah, like Stanford played Notre Dame in, in 1925, Washington, Alabama in 1926. Notre Dame played there just once, right? Um, I'm only seeing it once so far. I'm trying to see when the, it actually started with the big. Yeah, that was a, they had not, They didn't play another bowl game from then until 1970. Wow. They just never thought it was. Uh, and then that year they actually used. Uh, get a load of this. So about yeah, it started. Sorry, it started 1947. Big Ten versus Pac-10, and it's been Big Ten versus Pac-10 ever since, except for a few exceptions where they they made the national championship there. So they're probably back in the the thing next year. Probably. Well, the uh, so they don't they still don't have permanent lights, right? I don't, uh, I don't think they do. Um, I mean, that could have changed 
by now. I'm I know it. When did Notre Dame get their permanent lights? Uh, when they just when they when they put the new place together. So was that fifteen years now? Twenty yeah. years. I know Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City didn't get when I was growing up. They never had permanent lights, and then they they I, they do now. So maybe fifteen twenty years ago they got them too. Well, that was a great racket for a while to buy those lights and, and go do them for people. Yep. There's a lot of because then the the the, the, the uh, TV people always used to pay for it. It was uh you know the the when they when they NBC or whatever it sold Notre Dame we went this game at night and well they they had they had to bring in the lights but they did you ever go to one of the games one of those things with with the, with the temporary lights oh yeah with the four towers yep for those that would never have been one it, it's the strangest thing because there's only four spots where the lights come in and they are and they are so powerful that if you stand in the middle of the field. You've got four different shadows off the same person. <laughs> At least at Notre Dame they did. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. It looked really weird. Yep. I don't know how you could play baseball with, with, with those kind of lights with the... Well, Michigan Stadium... You could use it for your softball field, however. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could. Michigan Stadium didn't even have a home night game until recently, right? Like, they've only, like, maybe 10 years ago was their first ever home night game, period. So they well, just, they the, just wouldn't wheel in lights. They just wouldn't play. I at don't, night. I bet, I'm wondering on one side, that that the, you walk in in like the seventieth row, I, I'm not so sure how you even put them up there. I mean, yeah. I, cause well, I think they have permanent ones now, but uh, but yeah, there was they never they just didn't even wheel in the fake lights. They just didn't have night games. Well, I mean, my one of you know one of my issues with these sporting events is how long they are. The Irish game, the Irish used to start at uh, at one o'clock or one fifteen or whatever it was, and you never got out of there. It was always daylight. But no, there's no way you could play a, a a November game starting at one thirty now and, and with, without lights. Can you? Probably not. I mean, it's, I mean you're, you're, you're you know you're pushing five o'clock. Yeah, it's dark in November five o'clock, right? That's right. So I mean, it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with just how long the games are. Right? One thing's for sure is is your your behind is not is not designed to sit on those benches. Those are a two and a half hour bench, not a four hour and fifteen minute bench. You, you you start to feel it. There's no no place to go in any of these stadiums. It's not like a, a modern baseball thing where you can wander around half the time. I mean, you're, the only spot for you is on your little spot on the bench. And when it when that game starts going to the four hour mark, it's it's a long day. You know, it's why I'm not so sure you'll see me in any more of these. But just saying, man. You know, just saying. Anyway, SP Futures up sixty one. NASDAQ Futures up twenty nine. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. When outlooks like MAM interest rates are moving more towards historical levels, everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom. Mr. Matt Weber. S&P futures up 61.50 now, as high as we've seen it. S&P futures up 299, pushing for 300. That would be one and a half, over one and a half percent. Dow futures up 355. We're here. We just, there's a, just run, run everything up. Stocks trillion dollars today, two trillion tomorrow. What's the difference? A DAX up 328, 2.1%. FTSE up 87, 1.2%. Tech around up 161, 2.3%. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 528, 1.9%. Shanghai doing nothing. They, they haven't done much on the down days. They haven't done much on the up days. Really kind of strange. Uh, well, I guess it's more of a controlled mar- market, uh, whatever that means. Um, Hang Seng, however, which has been really the one that's been down most of the time, is the one that's up 634 today. It's almost 3%, 2.7. So they're making a huge bounce back. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 646. Yeah, 646, almost 2%. S&P up 53, 1.1%. NASDAQ up 139.9%. And the Russell was a big move. We're up 44. Uh, that's over 2%. We've got bonds. Uh, only up one basis point to 1.45, so nowhere near the 
one middle one six as we were a few weeks ago. So, so much for the Fed cutting back on this stuff. Uh, Bund, uh, minus 0.37, uh, uh, Japan, 10 year positive, 0.05. We've got oil up a dollar 97, but still only $71.46, nowhere near the mid 80s that it was on its way to 100. Uh, Brent up 172, 74.80. Natural gas up three cents, but only 369. Man, I wish I'd have sold one of those at 605. Arbob up five cents to two, 2.09. So two dollars and nine cents on your Arbob. Which makes you kind of wonder, Manny, why some of the places in the city are over four bucks. I mean, it, that spread should be like a dollar twenty maybe, not, not whatever. Uh, gold down 20 cents, 17.79. Silver up 14 cents, 22.37. Copper up a penny, 4.35. Uh, crypto. Uh, up 1800 still 50909 below the 63000 of a few weeks ago. You know, I noticed, Matty, uh, uh, being you, you Iowa dudes, uh, when I got gas on Sunday, it was, I think, 334 I paid, but the, the uh, E85 was only, it was like 324 It was almost the same price. Was, did you notice that when you were in Iowa? I did not notice that, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah, the uh, normally it's, what, 50, 60 cents cheaper usually. Yeah. What do, you, what do you got for us, traffic weather sports? I got a, so much stuff there that we're, we got so many so many averages now. Did you do crypto? I yeah, oh, yeah, I did. We're up 1,800, 50,920. Oh, there you go. Uh, 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We had an earlier crash on the outbound Kennedy that has been cleared, but there's all kinds of congestion now. Stop and go traffic uh, on the outbound side. That crash was at Pulaski, which is exit 44B, so that's sort of the epicenter of it, but uh, it has the Kennedy backed up. And we're now an hour from downtown out to O'Hare on I-90. So uh, give yourself plenty of time if you're heading out that way from downtown. Eden's looking okay. No issues on the Eisenhower. Just a heavy traffic volume. Same for the Stevenson. Dan Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford have been quiet all morning. Just normal traffic volumes there. We do have a crash down south on I-80, though. It's on the westbound side at uh, Harlem Avenue, which is exit 148. That's causing a bit of a slowdown on westbound I-80. But those are it for accidents this morning. Weather today, not as windy and gusty as yesterday, but uh, much colder. Uh, we'll reach uh, an overcast high of just 26 today with wind chills in the teens. Right now it is overcast and 15 degrees downtown, but it feels like 8 for our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 75. Right now it's clear and 54. In sports, the Bulls were without DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Kobe White was out as well. Same for Javante Green. And then Alex Caruso was out with a hamstring. And yet they still beat on, beat up on the Denver Nuggets, who are one of the best teams in the NBA. 109 to 97 was the final in that one. Zach Levine had 32 points. And Io DeSumo, Chief, had his best game as a Bull, getting a start for the first time. The rookie out of Morgan Park High School and the University of Illinois. Is he pretty, he's pretty good, right? He's uh, been very good. He dropped to the second round of the draft because people didn't think he could shoot well enough, and uh, but he could kind of do everything else. And he's playing with a lot of confidence, and his, his jump shot's improving every day, and uh, he's been great. It's, it's weird how, you know, in the NBA where it's your job to play basketball and you shoot hundreds of shots every day, that your shot gets better. It's shocking. Well, I mean, it's, it's full-time practice. Exactly. Like, everyone's like, I think you should stay in college and get better. It's like, you're going to get better, actually, <laughs> in the NBA where it's your full-time job. But anyway, uh, Suns beat the Spurs 108-104. to In hockey, Blackhawks were off last night. They'll welcome the New York Rangers into town. It's a 7.30 p.m. Central Time puck drop at the United Center. Blackhawks playing 
a little bit better of late. Coyotes did play last night. They lost to the Stars 4-1. to College Hoops, Illinois went on the road and beat Iowa 87-83 to in an early season Big Ten basketball showdown. Illini are 2-0 in the early conference season. And lastly, Monday Night Football, they were dealing with the 55-mile-per-hour wind gusts last night in Buffalo, New York. And uh, it caused a uh, old-school throwback game of a lot of running plays and weird-looking passes and missed field goals. Uh, but uh, New England went on the road and upset Buffalo 14-10. to And now the Patriots have control of the number one seed in the AFC and appear to be the team to beat. Chief? The, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty quick turnaround if those guys actually are, are uh, you know, that good. I think they are. They had one down year last year where they... Went with Cam Newton to kind of bridge the gap after Brady left. And then they drafted Mac Jones in the first round out of Alabama. Uh, the fourth quarterback selected. Uh, he was drafted after... Tra- now, with what pick? I think 15th. Then that was theirs? Uh, yes, it was theirs. Okay, so they, have, they have to trade up for that round. No. That's why I asked. Uh, yeah, so the uh, the Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence number one. The 49ers traded up for Trey Lance and took him number two, I believe either two or three, and then the Bears got fields after trading up, uh, I think at number 11, and then uh, Mac Jones was the fourth pick at 15, and the Patriots couldn't, or, uh, sorry, I missed one, Zach Wilson went number two, Trey Lance went number three, then fields, then Mac Jones. Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback taken, and from what everything I've read, the Patriots couldn't believe that he was sitting there at 15. They thought for Maybe sure. He's from where? Al- Alabama. Okay. Yeah, won the national championship with them um, at quarterback. And, uh, you know, they, uh, he's not lighting the world on fire. I mean, they, they have a pretty conservative playbook for him, but he doesn't turn it over. He completes, it's kind of like how Brady was early in his career when they, they really sort of dumbed down the playbook for him and, and just let, you know, let run the ball and play defense, play special teams. That's like the Belichick special. And then Brady got more and more confident and got better as his career went on. Mac Jones is d- doing the same thing, and, and they're reminding a lot of people of the early 2000s Patriots where they were defense, special teams, sort of built after the Belichick model, and then Mac Jones just kind of game-managed and, and doesn't turn it over. And uh, now they're, what, 9-4 and four and uh, look like the best team in the AFC. What, um, right now, um, who would you put those guys against? Is it the, we think the Packers are number one in the, in the NFL? Well, in the... In the uh, so in the AFC, the Pats are nine and four, uh, and I think they're clearly the best but, but team. Getting better, they're and and really trending in the right direction. They've won seven in a row. They started off yeah. two and four. Uh, they also had the highest points dif- differential as you know, just being really dominant. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, after a slow start, have now won five in a row, and you can't count them out. So they're eight and four. And then you have the Titans and the Ravens are all kind of bunched up at eight and four, and then you have some seven and five teams. But I would say the Patriots and the Chiefs would be the, the two best in the AFC. And then the NFC, uh, you have the Cardinals at ten and two. Uh, they have the best record, but I don't think many people think they're the best team. Um, you still have Tampa at nine and three; they're the favorites. Uh, you have the Rams at eight and four. You have Green Bay at nine and three, and you have Dallas at eight and four. So, you know, there's four or five teams in each conference this year that I think y- y- wouldn't shock you if they won at all because there's no, you know, real dominant team. Your, uh, your bear buddies there for the game, they, they like Green Bay. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Green Bay uh, went on the road and uh, beat uh, Arizona earlier in the year. Um, they played Kansas City tough without Aaron Rodgers. What happened in their first game? They got, they got, they got smoked their first game, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were dealing with the distraction of Rodgers holding out and all that stuff. 
I think that's what that was. But then Tampa, very quietly, Super Bowl champions, uh, Tom Brady, 44 years old, very quietly, they're 9-3. and three. No one talks about them, and uh, they got everyone back from last year. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, they're still the favorites, especially if they get the number one seed and don't have to go up to Green Bay in the cold. Um, hey, can I shift gears on you a hair? Because uh, certainly a lot of the stuff we talk about, even though I will never tell this to your face except on the air, you've actually becoming our expert um, in a lot of ways when it comes to how, how the the media works. You obviously have way more about this than me. How How is it that the uh, media can just shut out like a whole line of thought on something and only to the point where, you know, there, there could be like a, a, you know, a gorilla in the room and then five years later he's still on TV but nobody talks about it to the point where he's gone. I mean, how, do, how does that happen? I mean, I, I, uh, the, uh, and people do stuff without comment. When I, I couldn't believe during the Biden, uh, not Biden, uh, what's his name? Paul, uh, Janet Yellen testimony. There's this Democratic guy, uh, so there's, of course, Republicans are all, are bitching at, at Paul and, uh, whatever. And, uh, and I seem to recall early on in the Trump administration, there'd always be some totally useless Republican guy would say, what do you mean? Things are like really good. The market's up and the jobs are going up every month. Okay. And I'm sitting there going, okay, that's, that's just a great way. The market's not your scorecard. So if the market goes down, what are you going to do? Resign? Well, last week, in the middle of the thing, this Democratic guy, if the Republicans are bitching at the two of them, what are you talking about? The market's going up and there's jobs every week. I'm sitting there going, did this guy used to be a Republican? Was that his, or is he, <laughs> or just, or is that his, his spiel? No matter, they just put a different day. He's a, he's an R for a while and then he's a D for a while. And, and nobody commented on, wow, that, that was, that, that was a Republican shtick two years ago. I, 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 these guys think nobody listens, but what I want to get to is, you know, we talk way more than we should, but be, it's becoming a big, bigger and bigger issue, this inflation number. And now here's a, here's a, uh, an article from somebody here in CNBC. And they're quoting, you know, these, these guys, you know, they're, they're big time dudes. It says that the Fed's interest rate policy can't fix this inflation. Here's why. And now it's, it's written by, uh, let's see, it's written by Carlos Waters. We haven't, I haven't talked about any of the stuff he's written before. It doesn't make him bad. It just, uh, in, inside the Federal Reserve's fight to control inflation. Now, to me, that includes that it makes an assumption that they're actually fighting to control inflation, right? Right. Now, why, why you, after their actions of the last 20 years, why you would ever think that, I, I have no idea. So the Federal Reserve's mandate is to maximize employment and create stable prices. The Fed does not believe the labor market is causing this inflation. It is waiting for it to pass. Deflation may be the central bank's bigger problem over the long term. Now, um, I think you can have relative deflation for some people that makes inflation very uneven. Now, is that the same as deflation? I mean, these guys, they don't even know how to define their terms. Or I don't, I'm not sure I know how to define it. Uh, well, you're getting better at it. But I'm saying, the central bank said the first eye-popping inflation figures reported in later 2021 are transitory, though it is now dropping that word from the messaging. Earlier in the year, the global supply chain was brought to its knees as traffic jams piled up on trade routes. Meanwhile, early retirements picked up and younger workers started to quit their jobs at the fastest rate pace on record. Uh, Lawrence Mitchell, a distinguished fellow at the Economic Policy and how do you get to be a distinguished fellow instead of just a regular old fellow? Good question. We should ask Russell that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, would you say Thomas is a distinguished fellow? I think he is. 
Yeah, but bothering you and me, who thinks he is? No one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of reasons to think that inflation is transitory. It doesn't mean it's going to be two months. It could be a year, but it's not going to be, you know, 4 or 5% for the next five years. All right, now, why would somebody say that? Leaders at the Fed have a long-term target of about 2% inflation. They believe that this rate could produce a healthy and stable economy, but shrinking union membership and the expansion of global trade may have made that difficult to achieve. As a result, the central bank is taking a stance that will invite slightly higher levels inflation for longer periods of time. Um, I think it, this is uh, this is Danielle DiMartino, nice Italian young lady, uh, Booth of Quill. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked with her about coming on the show, and she's corresponded with us, but we still haven't been able to get her on. She's been. The, what is this Booth of? She's she's uh, on your on your team with the uh, the anti Fed speak. Uh, she's at the Booth of Quill Intelligence. Who the hell is that? Because I think it's pretty darn obvious that the Fed cannot control infl- inflation on the downside or the upside, given the current experience. It says here, the, the central bank can influence some sorts of inflation, such as wages or the housing market, but if they're coming from areas beyond the Fed's reach, its policy won't necessarily be effective. Um, have you ever read a more disjointed article that basically says nothing? Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what, but I think the article is, is 100% accurate is the where people are in this debate. And I, I, I just wonder, Matty, why? I mean, I, I, I honestly, I mean, I know this is old school, but I'm looking at this, the national debt um, thing here. The the money supply in, in 2000 was roughly $5 trillion. All right? And it's now 21. So it's up four times. Right? A little over four times. The GDP was, was I'm going to say, $10 trillion in 2000. And now it's 22, so it's up. You know, uh, one point. It's doubled. Okay, it's up two point something. Why, why would anybody who's ever taken an economics course for even a, an hour not say, "Wow, prices got to be higher"? <laughs> Duh. I mean, and yet, how? That's what the Fed controls. So that I, I would agree with that article 100 percent. That when the Fed lobs out too much money or not enough money, causing deflation or inflation, I would absolutely agree that they cannot control whether there's some shortage someplace, and, and that thing gets all the money. I mean, or it's, it's the Arabs, or it's hospitalization, it's something. It was oil, it was this, it was that. It could be, uh, you know, because of the COVID, it goes goes some other place. It could be in, you know, drive up chow. Could be any. I understand they don't, they don't they don't control any of how it spreads. Although it's fairly obvious to me over the last twenty years that if you constantly oversupply the the the, the uh, economy with money, a real lot of it goes into the, not just regular asset prices, but goes into the stock market. And I think an awful lot of people have picked up on that, and that's why they want them to keep doing it because you know one percent of the population owns what ninety percent of the stocks, really some number. Don't quote me on that, but it's a big number. So I think as, as the unevenness has become apparent, it has made it more difficult for them to stop. Now, please critique me. I mean, I, am I wrong or right on this? I mean, I, but I don't understand how you won't find an article anywhere that says the Fed is the ones that have done it. <laughs> I mean, 
Well, I, I see. I disagree with that because I see articles like that all the time now. Where o- over the last few months, even our guy Bill Cohan wrote a big piece on it, and we had him on to talk about okay, it in, but, New York, in the New York Times. But you don't see Bill anywhere near CNBC or five. all those guys have been scrubbed. Well, CNBC is a markets cheerleader channel, right? If you don't see that, then then right. you're, you're blind in your own right. I mean, I, I have it on in the background on most days while I'm working from home. And all day long, it's 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 market cheerleading. But that's but they're a business. They're trying to sell advertising. I mean, that's they're not a they're not a news channel that's going to speak as negatively as you do every day, because uh, they don't want the markets to go down. And it's in your best interest for the markets to go down. So that's why you talk the way you talk. Oh, no, Everyone just talks in their well, best no, interest. Actually, I think. actually, is not I, in my best interest for my people. I honestly don't care. We, we've actually ridden this thing. Pretty darn well the last few years. Well, I know you know how to write it. I'm yeah. saying that if you're if you're a bull, you know, quote unquote, you're going to be cheerleading, and if you're a bear, you're going to be negative. That's just how people are. I see it every day, and, and someone that doesn't care one way or the other, I I I find it humorous. It's no different than the political uh, uh, prognosticators. It's no different than the sports prognosticators. The market prognosticators are the exact same. Okay, but they speak their book. We just had both the people in front of both houses of Congress. With all kinds of people in the committee, why didn't one person, Republican, Democrat, male, female, black, blue, orange, I don't care, why didn't one person say, what are you doing? you got the money supply going up 12% a month. You're causing it. Wouldn't you just stop? That's a good question. And, and I think with that, we've talked about this a bunch as well. It goes back to our buddy Pedro da Costa, who would ask those types of questions and then was basically barred from the room. So well, he wasn't a congressman. True, and the Congress people—I don't know. I mean, the Congress people, in their own right, they—they they, all they see is the markets going up for twenty straight years. They all have, uh, you know, investments. They have constituents that are are patting them on the back and saying, "Hey, economy looks great. Keep it going." So, status quo has worked for them, and they—they they know they'll kick the can down the road because they'll be out in four years or two years or eight years. So I mean, I think that's I think they're speaking their book too. Well, when you when you say that, um, I uh, don't like it. Here, here, there's there's maybe I haven't been this clear for many years. We've been doing this. There's two reasons why I don't want to see an overheated market, Matty. I, I, I want it to go up because obviously my clients are long, and so am I. So I, I, I want it to go up. Let's put it this way: when it should go up. And the reason why I say that is because there's two little two little Achilles heels to the market. One is people don't always buy with money they have, they borrow to buy, correct? And every single time I've seen a market top, every time, well, the one I saw, you know, before I came into their business in, in like, you know, 1980, uh, every time it's, it is, it is, it usually coincides with a record at that time of margin borrowing. So if, if the market races up like 20% when a quote it shouldn't, when it isn't justified, by earnings and that kind of thing, where you know your dividends increase, and when I say justified, where somebody's going to say, "I don't care, Matty, I'm going to buy this stock for ten bucks. I don't care if it trades eight because they're sending me a check for two bucks every year. And I'll just write it out." That you're getting something for it. But is it? My experience has been, if the market races up twenty percent, when quote maybe it shouldn't, and races back down to twenty percent, more people, more money's lost on the way down than was made on the way up. And a lot of people that aren't in the industry don't necessarily realize that because of the margin that's involved. People are forced to sell, and all of a sudden they have debits. If everybody just paid cash for stuff, I mean, I wouldn't care, but they don't. Yeah. The, the, the other story is 
our government, you're in my government, has has a is the real trick bag on this. If the race is up twenty percent and one guy sells it, he's got to pay full capital gains tax on his gains. If it runs down, the other poor bastard only gets to take off three thousand bucks. So those are the two reasons why I don't like things racing up only to race back down. And I think they're legitimate reasons. I I would agree. But as for level, would I I rather have everybody working and and, and more and more productivity and all of a sudden you and I have a a double salary for real (laughs) where we can go out and buy twice as much stuff and, oh, by the way, our market goes up and our house goes up? Yeah. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? Why would I ever say I don't want that? And you were talking about, uh, you know, borrowing uh, yesterday. Uh, can you do that for cryptocurrency? You know, borrow against the mar- loan against the margin. Uh, 12 South writes it on Twitter. Coinbase doesn't offer margin currently. They did at one point about two years ago, but they don't, he says, which he or she says, I guess I don't know. What about the guys that are sponsoring the umpires? That. I thought that was their shtick. I think they might be. I'm trying to remember what that company's called. I'll look it up. T was it T T something something? It's yeah, they're like a. It's like an acronym or something. But uh, how did how did they get an umpire's uniform? Uh, they must. They paid the union uh, enough money. They I, they must have said, "Hey, we got a, an arm patch uh, available. Who, who who's the highest bidder?" And right now, a, a crypto exchange is absolutely <laughs> the highest bidder. They got all kinds of dough. Right. So how how exactly say for instance, and I'm being tongue in cheek here a little bit. How does uh, Stocks and Jacks be, get, a, get a patch on the ass of every pitcher? Because every time he looks in for the sign, that's the only thing you see is the guy's ass, right? I assume if, you, if you're willing to pay enough, I would assume that uh, they're willing to uh, allow that. Now, do we get? does the players' union get to do that, or all the teams have to? How did the umpires' union get to sell that? I mean... Good question. Is that part of their? Was that part of their bargaining? Well, I can't uh, imagine them even bringing that up. Can you? Where they said, "Hey, we want uh, you know, you're, if you're selling advertising at the team level, we'd like to have advertising on our uniform to go to our our umpire." I, boy, I can't even imagine them bringing that up. They've been the, the men in blue, you know, uh, or, or originally they were black, even though they were always called blue. Uh, they, I, I would. When I saw that, I, I just I was stunned. I was stunned by that too. In fact, I didn't even notice it until you pointed it out, and then I looked it up, and then. The CEO of that company um, was on CNBC shortly thereafter, and he's a real young guy and obviously very smart. But uh, I, that guy's—I mean—he's really started something there. Well, now can they do they do something on their hat in the field too? <laughs> By the way, you were talking earlier about Chicago with Brendan and Kevin wrote in. Tom's description of Chicago sounds like Detroit 30 years ago. Detroit was the fifth most populous city in the U.S. in the 1970s, seventh in the 1990s, and now it's 27th. Chicago is walking the same path. Um, well, Detroit Detroit was way more concentrated in industry than Chicago. That's true. Uh, and they, but I mean, the disdain the, the the last few mayors have had for any kind of manufacturing, and I I don't know why. Why is that? Why Why do you not want? I mean, you don't you don't want a you know a coal fire, you know something powered by coal in the middle of downtown, but. Why do you not want manufacturing? People have to work something. We're also 3 million people supposed to work. I agree, 100%. It can't all be the service industry. It just can't. Who do you service if you're all service? That's my point. You can't have, you know, one-third white-collar and then two-thirds service and have no blue-collar and no, I mean, at some point, yeah, who do you service? Well, you can if you're San Francisco. Uh, Maybe. Um, San Francisco's got its own problems. Yeah, I mean, we don't have hardly any... yeah, we'll talk about some of it. Matty, uh, thank you. Good stuff. S&P futures up 57. NASDAQ futures up 281. I guess I'm going to chase some calls here today. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? 
I don't know, sir. No, no either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.